0: again friends and welcome back to another edition of the mid-south wrestling television review podcast this time reviewing mid-south wrestling television from april 23rd 1983 taped on april 13th 1983 at the irish mcneil boys club in shreveport louisiana i am the great brian last and the man who joins me this week the bill watts to my boy pierce mike mills mike how are you today
1: well, I don't know how I'll live up to that uh, Bill Watts to your Boyd Pierce comment right there, uh, <laughs> especially as it pertains to Mid-South Wrestling and Bill Watts' commentary. But I will say this. We finally get the midgets. They're here, Brian. <laughs> We're finally going to get them after being teased for 20 years now. And when we get the little people later on in this episode, there has been something I have been wanting to discuss with you now for weeks because I knew it was coming. And to all of you out there who have, uh, messaged me on Twitter or or tweeted at me on Twitter whatever the heck it's called uh, yes the midgets are finally here Bill Watts was not trolling you as uh, folks do nowadays in 2020 the midgets are here the little people are here I'm sorry if I'm being politically incorrect but anyway uh, they're here and Brian and I are going to have a lot of fun discussing the finish of that match I think um, we haven't discussed it ahead of time at all so there's that
0: remember when the gorilla revealed himself to be Jim Duggan and Bill Watts yelled that's remember that yes yes he doesn't have that sort of enthusiasm for the midgets however for no good reason i've been walking around after watching this episode in that voice in that excited bill watts voice going we've got midgets midgets (laughs) just because they've been building it up it has to be two months it has to be i didn't go back and look through my notes but i gotta think it's been two months of them building up the midgets will be here next week
1: I guarantee you without looking in my notes too, we're at, we had to have at least six weeks of them saying, oh, the midgets are next week. The midgets are next week or the little people to be politically correct. Again, I'm going to use corny's line. I'm not sure which one it is because like corny, I remember meeting a couple of little fellas back in the day and they would call themselves midget wrestlers. So, uh, you know, I, I, that that was always the term I was told. But anyway, uh, you're right. I, I think a good six weeks would ease maybe even more, like you said, eight weeks, two months or so. They have definitely been talking about the little people for quite some time, and, get, and they are finally here. So let's finally get to them later in this episode, Brian.
0: You know, on the topic of what to call them, I always think back to it must have been the late 90s on Howard Stern's show. There was like a battle between Hank the Angry Drunken Dwarf. And I think it was Marty the Midget. And part of the feud entailed Hank saying that calling a dwarf a midget is like calling a black person the N-word. Mm. And then here's the other guy saying, I'm Marty the Midget or whatever it is. So it's, I guess, certain little people have different thoughts on the issue, but it is one of those things you're not sure. We were told now it's not proper to call them midgets. They were called midgets throughout wrestling history up until at least, what, the mid-90s, and then they kind of went away in North America. You still had the minis coming out of Mexico, and I don't know if there's a battle in Mexico over calling them minis or not, but it is one of those things. I guess we're not supposed to call them midgets in 2020, I think. I, I Yeah,
1: I, if were there any little people out there who listen to us, let us know what you think. I, I really don't. Um... Again, not trying to be disrespectful. I'm I'm just calling what Watts is what Watts is saying. So there's that. And again, I, I I've heard I've talked to some little wrestlers in the past, and they always called themselves uh, the midgets. So um, if they're minis now, then great, let's go with that. But uh, yeah, I, I think we'll I think Brian and I will leave it at that. So, but Watts is going to keep saying the M word uh, throughout this episode, or especially at the very beginning of it. And, and the
0: we- M word, <laughs> the M word. That's what we're going to call it. I mean, I you know
1: I'm I'm really trying to be politically correct here because uh, you know I mean uh, we we talk to a lot of people on this show uh, a lot of people hear our voices so I, I just just want to be I just want to be uh you know polite politically correct there so I I'll go with the M word from now on because I actually heard that someone told me one time little person is not technically correct so I was like w- w- what do what do I say then I don't I'm I'm confused uh you know so there's that anyway let's get into the episode Brian
0: watts is going to say anything he wants on next week's show at one point he goes let's go to an interview right now with hacksaw dugan and the first words out of dugan's mouth are i'm hacksaw dugan like you know the dugan dugan thing right there but let's go right now to the show open from april 23rd 1983 boyd pierce and cowboy bill watts
2: Wrestling Television. I'm your host Boyd Pierce. Another great card. You'll see King Kong Bundy in action and we've been promising you we're going to show it to you this week for the top little midget stars in a tag team action. Mr. Rashing 2 takes on Kendo Nagasaki. The black ninja Tiger Conway Jr. is here as is Hacksaw Butch Reed, Mr. Olympia, under his new manager, General Skandar Akbar. Bill Watts, it looks like another outstanding card signed by matchmaker
3: Grizzly Smith. Well, boy, it sure is. And, of course, we finally do have the midgets, and I know everybody at home has been waiting for that. And, again, talking about last week in a very unusual action where Skandar Akbar laid a trap. The bait was $25,000. A all-new team. We figured it would be Kamala and the Black Ninja, who have certainly been rising to the top as the number one contenders, but instead, Ted DiBiase and Mr. Olympia and Skandar Akbar. And I don't know if this means that Mr. Olympia and Akbar have joined the Rat Pack or if DiBiase, the head cheese of the Rat Pack, has been absorbed by Skandar Akbar. But whatever it was, it was still a fantastic bout. You and I sitting back, sort of speaking, the sidelines looking in, we were watching. Every moment to see just what surprise Skandar Akbar and that team had up their sleeve. And, of course, with DiBiase in the loaded glove. But then the new situation with Mr. Olympia got something from Skandar Akbar that he put on his boot. And when he drop-kicked Tiger Conway Jr. it and knocked him cold. But they are the new tag champions is Mr. Olympia and Ted DiBiase. Let's look at the closing moments of that tag bout.
0: And from there, Mike, we get a recap of last week's big tag team title change. Ted DiBiase and Mr. Olympia with Skandar Akbar defeating the former champions now. Mr. Wrestling 2 and Tiger Conway Jr. As Bill Watts said, Mr. Olympia dropkicks Tiger Conway Jr. with something on his boot. They never exactly explain what that is on his boot. But coming out of this recap, we get our first match. Mr. Olympia versus Mike Jackson, Rick Ferreira as the referee. Before we play some audio from this match, Mike, any notes? on the heel Mr. Olympia now with Skander Akbar and DiBiase there with him and DiBiase almost looks like a young million dollar man in his suit out there any thoughts on any of this
1: oh uh, you actually nailed it i had that same comment he's he's got a you know he's got a black uh, sports coat on you know some khakis he's he's looking a little million dollar man Esque, right there. It's. I think that's the best way to describe it. Uh, Akbar's out there with Olympia too. It's. It's. You know. I don't know. They. They. They look like. God. I don't want to use this term because it's used in WCW later on in the in the early nineties. They look like the, a bit of a dangerous alliance of sort. And, and I'll leave it at that. They they look formidable is the best way I can describe it. That would be my note as the three of them stand next to each other. They got the smug look. Uh, Olympia's got the, you know, he just, they just look like some dirty heels. And that's the, the whole point and the, the greatness of it.
0: It is an interesting stable when you think about it. Akbar now has Olympia, DiBiase, Kamala, and the black ninja Kendo Nagasaki.
1: Yeah, they, they, they per, the word evil is definitely personified with them.
0: We won't call it Devastation Incorporated, though, because apparently someone else has adopted that in Mid-South Wrestling. We'll get more to that later in the show. Let's hear some audio from Cowboy Bill Watts on Mr. Olympia versus Mike Jackson. Bill Watts talking about some of the things happening around Olympia, DiBiase, and, of course, Hacksaw Duggan. Let's go to this.
3: General Scott akbar Bill. And his new cohort, Ted DiBiase, out there seconding him. So Mr. Olympia's got his own built-in cheering section. Of course, Mike Jackson from Alabama, a quick, smaller athlete, a well-experienced athlete. Should be a great match. Mike Jackson is making Olympia wonder just which side he's got to be on. I think he's really surprised, Mr. Olympia. Mr. Olympia riding a little bit of a crest of a high of taking the Mid-South Tag Team title in that crucial fall where he drop-kicked Tiger Conway Jr., Mr. Olympia has got some people smoldering. One J.Y.D. is really upset, and one Mr. Wrestling 2 is boiling over Mr. Olympia and Tiger Conway, Jr., and, of course, Ted DiBiase. I just wonder what Ted DiBiase, how he's going to explain. Whoa, look, beautiful move by Mike Jackson, but Olympia almost dove clear under the ring out to the floor, trying to get out of the way, but he got out of the way, and Mike Jackson's in trouble. Olympia showing his power, his conditioning by the way he's handling Mike Jackson. And, of course, like I say, what is DiBiase going to say to Hacksaw Dugan? He represented that he would never have anything to do with Skandar Akbar and in some action in previous matches that he wasn't involved with Akbar. And it looked at one time that I had commented almost like Dugan had caught him in it, and DiBiase was kind of curious as to Dugan's reaction. And uh, DiBiase thinks Dugan's just a little bit rambunctious. And that he can control him. Uh, DiBiase a little upset because Dugan had fired Matt Bourne. But I've kind of watched Hacksaw Dugan. And I think uh, he's definitely a man that knows his own mind. And he uh, is kind of a, although a Rat Packer and proud of it, he's kind of a principled guy. He's kind of the guy that says, hey, I'm going to fight you tooth and nail with anything I, I can get my hands on. Any way I can. But it was kind of an honorable type of a battler. And now DiBiase has taken... Akbar and Dugan says there's some things in his family history that uh, Akbar's association with the Iron Sheik of Iran and being an anti-American just won't sit with him.
0: Well, there, Mike, we hear some audio from Bill Watts during this match, and I have to say my one big takeaway is he was really good as a babyface, but I love heel Mr. Olympia. Just watching him work, he sh- should have been a much bigger star. And I know later on he had some health issues, and, of course, he would end up working primarily, in southeastern and continental wrestling for ron fuller and guys who work there typically were extremely happy and didn't want to leave they had a great lifestyle but he is so good in there and this isn't even one of those matches where he's selling much when you watch him sell as a heel he's phenomenal but he's really being aggressive he ends up now he's using the pile driver into the sleeper hold and i really dig mr olympia here he's just he's so good i really wish he was there in mid south in 84 he would have been perfect in that mix but Any thoughts about this match before we wrap things up?
1: I think you make great points about him as a heel, and I kind of mentioned it uh, last week. It's the aggressiveness, and he just looks like he doesn't care about injuring his opponent, and he is there just to be vicious. So he just looks – he's got that mean – it's hard to describe because most guys who wear a mask, you can't really see – their facial expressions, but he does well just with the little things with his body where he just looks mean and angry as he's beating down Mike Jackson here, whether it's a simple, just elbow to the head, the punches, it's just the little things about how he grabs him and just like, you know what? I'm just going to injure you and and make you feel some pain. And I don't mean injure him on purpose. I mean, injure him in this, uh, in the, in the process of beating him down. And I agree. He looks great as a heel, it's a shame we didn't get him later on down in the he- as a heel in Mid-South because of how good he wa- he is. And was, uh, he just, he just, he's one of those guys that worked well as a babyface, but also worked just as well as a heel in my opinion. And, and to be honest, I think a lot of times in wrestling, that can be a, a bit of a rarity. You like some guys are just great at, at one or the other. Uh, it, I think that there aren't many who are great at both. And to me, Olympia never had the the huge platform that you would think of guys that were great at both would have. But if you watch him in Mid South, he was great as a babyface and he's great as a heel. And this stable of the three of them right now that you know are in this match, where we got Akbar, Dibiase, and Olympia, they really, really are are, are great together. And as a single, you know, Olympia is definitely a great heel. This was good. The the, the ending, the finish, the pod driver. It uh, got a little a little scary at times when he hits uh, Mike Jackson with it, but I do like the fact that he goes from one vicious move with the pile driver and then he follows it up with the with the sleeper to, to defeat Mike Jackson. But overall, he's definitely a great heel and good stuff from Olympia right there.
0: After that match, our next match on the show, Hacksaw Butch Reed versus Tony Zane with Alfred Neely as the referee. I had one note. Butch Reed throws great drop kicks. Tony Zane, like, jumps into them. Every time Butch rethrows throws a dropkick, Tony Zane is in the air as Butch hits him. He jumps into the dropkicks. Did you notice that? I didn't notice that, and I didn't
1: make a note about that, but I have a note about Butch's dropkicks because, and I think what makes it look so good from him, he's such a big guy. He's not a little guy flying through the air throwing those dropkicks. So when he hits those dropkicks, they look even better because of how how big he is. I mean, he's a big man, and... As a big man, I mean, you know, you shouldn't take it for granted that a guy can get the height and elevation that he can get. I mean, he literally looks like when you watch him with those drop kicks, he almost looks like he's floating. I mean, it's 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 rather remarkable the way he throws it, how he's he's it looks like he's almost levitating in in midair at one point. So that's the note that I have. And as I'm actually watching it back on the video, I have I do see how Tony Zane uh, is flying even before he gets hit on one of them specifically.
0: Yeah, every time he gets dropkicked, he jumps in the air a second before he gets hit. So he's already in the air as he gets kicked. But anyway, let's hear some audio from Bill Watts. He's still building up Butch Reed. Butch Reed is still a relative newcomer to Mid-South Wrestling. Let's go to this audio right now.
3: Well, this should be a great bout. Uh, Hacksaw Reed from the Show Me State. And he's been showing Hacksaw Dugan that he well earns his name. It's been a real battle between these two guys as who should be called Hacksaw. Axel Butch Reed, a former All-American, All-Conference linebacker from Central Missouri State, later with the Kansas City Chiefs, originally from Warrensburg, Missouri, now lives in Kansas City. In the off-season at Central Missouri State, he was on the powerlifting team in the 242-pound class. He, while in college, a much younger, less mature man, he was over 1,800 pounds in total lift. So that when you're doing the powerlifting, you're doing bench press, deadlift, and squat. Does over 500 pounds on the bench press. College used to run a 4.840. Look at that agility. That quick. Oh, the man's got, he's got skills and moves that are just phenomenal. You know what he said? He said he came here because Mid-South, everybody in the whole country over has heard the legend of the junkyard dog. And he came here, he said that he wants all the fine things. The Junkyard Dog has earned. He said he admits that he's trained with a dog. The dog goes to the gym. He works out religiously. invests his money. The dog still remembers his roots. He still is fully 100% with the people that backed him and supported him when he was a rookie. And that's why Hacksaw Butch Reed came here. He said the Mid-South area is a talk of the world in wrestling business. He wants to be here. He wants to get the same recognition, the same accolades as a Junkyard Dog. And he's willing to work for them and willing to earn them. And I think that's Really something to be a credit to this young man.
0: Well, they hear it a little bit about Butch Reed, and I guess in a sense, Mike, we could say it's a little bit of foreshadowing that he wants what the Junkyard Dog has. He's worked out with him, he's seen the money and the success, and that's what he wants for himself. I could be reading too much into that, but it almost seems like some subtle foreshadowing of events that would happen in the months ahead. And I think
1: it's easy for us to to look at it and and draw that conclusion like what you just uh, summarized right there, because it's I mean, we know what's we know what's coming in the years and, you know, to come year and many years to come as it pertains to Butch Reed. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I would draw a similar conclusion, although when we saw it for the first time, maybe we didn't think that. But regardless, what Watts says is true. I mean, you'd have to be a dummy not to want those same accolades that JYD has. So it makes a lot of sense that Reed would say, "Well, no, I want to come in and, and earn those same things" because hey, look, that's basically saying I want to be as successful as JYD has been. So that makes a lot of sense. One other thing, y'all know I'm a football fan. Um Watts, I think if my memory's correct, Watts is going to bring this up about Reed and football maybe some more over the next uh, few weeks or months or so. He mentions how we, Reed <laughs> weed, good lord. Uh, he mentions how Reed <laughs> ran a four
0: that's it. Right.
1: Wow. I can't believe I said that. Yeah. He uh, <laughs> he mentions how Reed ran a 4840. So in 1983, for a guy Butch Reed's size, that's freaking moving. Now, nowadays, you hear these guys Reed's size running faster than that. But in 83, a guy Reed's size running a 4840 was pretty damn impressive if you heard that on television. So uh, I just wanted to, you know, to put that in a, a feather in Watch's cap, you know, bringing that up because uh, it makes him seem like a quick and agile and fast athlete when, when Watch says that. So that was one thing I wanted to bring up there that at least caught my uh, attention as I rewatched this.
0: Butch Reed wins with a flying tackle. And from there, we get our next match Tiger Conway Jr. Versus Frank Levert with Rick Ferreira as the referee. I don't have too many notes about this match, Mike. What about you?
1: I got one note. Levert doesn't look too experienced. He looks like he may not know what's going on in the ring as as he's working with Tiger Conway. Uh, Tiger is really having to kind of manhandle him and put him into place. And it's taken a lot of effort on Tiger Conway Jr.'s part. That was my main note. I don't think this Levert guy knows what's going on.
0: Tiger Conway wins with a victory roll or a standing Frankensteiner. I know you're not supposed to call it Frankensteiner anymore. You're supposed to call it Hurricane Rana or Rana. But I still prefer Frankensteiner, to be quite honest with you. That's the way I discovered the move in 1989, and I will still stick with Frankensteiner. Uh, Even though, again, he's not running. It's a standing victory roll, technically. From there, we get our main event on the show. Mr. Wrestling 2 versus Kendo Nagasaki with Skandar Akbar, although Mike might say the midget match is the main event. Alfred Neely as the referee. This goes a little while, and it's a good little back-and-forth match, but it really picks up here for the finish. Let's play this, and then we'll talk about it on the other side, and Mike, you'll describe everything that happens, because there's a lot going on here.
3: It almost tore two's head off, but 2 ringwise, savvy veteran, he has got his foot over the rope, which caused the break. Akbar protesting. Neely's breaking it. Akbar is trying to get Kendo Nagasaki to finish two off, but two exploded with that knee. Now two. The crowd
2: rises to its feet. Here comes Kamala. Here comes Kamala. With two hit Akbar. Kamala gave it. Two caught him coming into the ring. Two caught him before he got in the ring. Kamala is out of the floor. Kendo Nagasaki coming up from behind. Now two caught Kamala again. Kendo Nagasaki. Two caught him with the knee lift. Now two's down on him. Like a street fight. Here comes Kamala from behind. He went for the splash. Hey. two saw him coming. Got out of the way. Now two's carried it to him. Two's carried it to him. Listen to this crowd. Look at them on their feet as that living legend shows. Why he's in the hearts of every man Wrestling too with his knee And he's driving Kamala out, driving Akbar out And the ninja Groggy, bit smashed Wrestling too, Neely, diving for the count You got him Kamala coming back in Tiger Conway comes out of the dress room And he hits Kamala Kamala head over, kettle out And Tiger Conway Wrestling too, listen to this crowd Pandemonium pandemonium and look at two he loves it tiger cutway and mr wrestling a tremendous battle and a great victory for mr wrestling too bill everybody on their feet around the ring that bar is just living we'll be back with more action so stay with us when we return after this word
0: well there it is mike an exciting end to that match and it's one of those matches it's worth it to go back and watch for the fan reaction specifically they're all you hear the noise every time he hits the knee lift but there are two kids there's a boy and a girl on the right side of the screen and for at least a good portion of this if not all of it they are jumping up and down with their hands in the air they're so excited by this happening and there's a few points where you can see they're like "Uh uh-oh two's about to get it and when two keeps firing on these guys they keep jumping but anyway wrap it up tell me your thoughts on this any notes you have
1: You don't. This is another moment where you just don't see things like this in modern wrestling. And this is what made what we grew up on so great. A lot went down there. You hear it through the audio, but a couple of things. No one, I don't know if there's a manager, maybe Corny. Yeah, Corny's pretty good at it. I don't know if there's a manager that sells like Akbar does when he gets hit with something. He's just tremendous. The way he flops around like a dead fish and the way he sells and looks all glary-eyed and confused. The crowd here, after, as Akbar gets involved, they just start going nuts. And then Kamala comes out and he gets involved. But, the best part about all of that, with all these guys getting involved, is two fighting off all of these guys. It's like he's got a shotgun in his knee. In his knee, as he's delivering these knee lifts, he's going back and forth between Kamala, Kendo, Akbar, Kamala, Kendo, Akbar. He's hitting them all with the big knee. And Kamala selling is great. Akbar selling is great. Kendo, he finally hits Kendo at in the end with a with a big knee and while all of this is going on right before he hits that hits Kendall with the big knee the crowd like you said you got the boy and the girl over there jumping they're jumping the whole time they've got both hands in the air jumping up and down but the whole crowd in the bleachers is going nuts I don't see anybody sitting down the crowd is loving it it's it's electric in Irish McNeil right now it's just it's a party in there uh and then they finish it off at the very end, even when two pins Kendo. At the very end, Tiger Conway runs in because Kamala's about to get back in there. Tiger Conway drop kicks Kamala, and Tamala, Kamala takes this great bump over the top rope where he goes flying. And it's just tremendous. The crowd loved it. Awesome stuff right here with the finish. I don't think you could do it much better than they did it right there.
0: No, and the fans are just going nuts for a minute and a half. And I got to say with Tiger Conway's drop kick, when you really think about it, Olympia Butchery, Tiger Conway, I may be forgetting someone else. Three guys on this show who could throw great drop kicks. Oh Just yeah. Perfect drop kicks right to the face. The boots are right next to each other and they connect with the guy's face. It looks great
1: yeah I'm really telling, really good stuff. if you if, look if you don't watch anything else from this show and I'm going to repeat this again with the little people in a second if you don't watch anything else from this show if you've got the network go back and watch this finish it's really good it's tremendous it's it's this look this is what territory wrestling was about you got you got baby faces that the crowd loves you got heels that the crowd hates and you see it in their reaction it's like a real sporting event their heroes right there won that match and it was just great really really good finish really good stuff and remember don't 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 lose track of the fact that you know two two and conway just lost the belt so the crowd needs something to cheer about here and you know watson them gave them something to cheer about with wrestling two defeating kendo right there at in this match It, it was just really good stuff overall
0: and here's bill watts wrapping up that match and shooting us to our next one
3: the crowd is still buzzing. That was excitement. I'm telling you, I love it. That, you know, when you see great athletes go at it, and then you see the deck sort of get stacked, and a champion like two, the, like he says, the cream rises to the top, and he came through, and then Tiger Conway got there, in time to keep from getting down and to ganging up on him. I'll just tell you, it makes your blood boil, and you're excited, and the crowd was excited. And now let's go to a match we promised them for what, about a month, Boyd? Right. The midget wrestlers. And I, I want you to realize at home that these are little men. And I know a lot of kids, they look at these little midgets and say, gee, I'm bigger than that guy. Let me tell you, these are powerful little men, strong little men. And this should be an enjoyable match for you to see. Let's watch it. Boyd Pierce talks about the midget wrestling.
0: It's interesting. Bill Watts, even with the midget wrestlers, the little people wrestling, I don't know what we're going to call I'm going to call them midget wrestlers because that's what they're called on the show here. Um, even them. He puts over as being strong and you shouldn't look at them and just laugh that they are athletes. And I think that's interesting because a lot of other wrestling companies, they presented them in a different way. WWF presented them as just some comedy act that came in and you should laugh at them once a year at Christmas time in the garden. But even them, Bill Watts puts over as being athletes.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a good distinction. He really does put them over as as powerful men, they're athletes. Uh, no, no, don't be don't be uh, fooled here. There is comedy throughout this match. Before we talk about this finish that we're going to talk about, there's there is comedy. I mean, Alfred Neely is basically calling the match from his knees, you know, uh, scooting around the ring on his knees uh, for these guys, but Watts does put them over as real wrestlers. And you know, they're small, but also when you look at these guys, they are powerful. I mean, these are they've got muscle definition they're not just like some little guys looking frail out there i mean they're they're little wrestlers but they 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 have a nice statue if that if that makes any
0: sense sure must be that weed again
1: oh come on
0: (laughs) (laughs) well let's go to this match this match is ivan the terrible and little tokyo versus cowboy lang and lone eagle alfred neely the referee this was taped on march 16th 1983 i believe they were building it up for weeks before that and then it was taped and they just sat on the tape for over a month now before it aired here on tv mike thoughts notes you've been waiting for this match. you've been talking about it almost as much as bill watts has. well so here's the thing like uh, one
1: Bill Watts steps away from the commentary table and he just left Boyd to call it. I'd love to know why he just decided for this match to do that. But then again, we'd have to go back to the original tape and to see what technically took place before and after uh, this match to know maybe why he did that. So I I did notice that there is a lot of comedy in this. So even though Watts puts them over as, you know, tough guys, they do the old they do all the comedy stuff you saw with the, the little people matches back in the day. I mean, it's just, it's what it is. Alfred Neely's getting frustrated at one point because of it. Uh, he's just, you know, it was the old thing. They, and I think they did this in most territories with the, with the the little, little people matches. But I want to talk about this finish whenever you're ready. Uh, so you, uh, you let me know if you got any thoughts on the, the meat of the match. And then we'll talk about this finish as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a duo.
0: I don't have too much to say about the meat of the match. You know, they do a lot of the typical stuff. They all roll over Alfred Neely, but let's go to this finish.
1: So the finish is is really weird. I think it's a Lone Eagle. He's kind of a slingshot over um, Ivan the Terrible, and he it's like a, a, a sunset flip almost slingshot where he goes over Ivan. But when he goes over him, he lands on his head. And you can see it. I watched it back at least a hundred times. And I'm trying to figure out if he knocked himself out or knocked himself goofy or if he hurt his neck, because you can see he has trouble as he's coming up to like pin Ivan. He can't really get a good secure pin on him. And it's because he's his neck or he's knocked out one of the two. And he's just kind of going through the motions of it. It's really... I think this guy was seriously hurt, and I, I I think it's his neck, just based on kind of where he's holding his hand after the match on his neck. He he looks like he's
0: injured. I, what did you see from this? He definitely looks like he had his bell rung. It's again, it's really awkward. It's like a sunset flip. Right onto his head. <laughs> Just- Dude, he lands on his he goes
1: over that, he lands on his head and bounces off. And I immediately thought, Oh my god, his neck's broken or he, you know, got a concussion, knocked himself out. He does hold his head. I thought at one point he held the back of his neck. I couldn't really tell. I'm pretty sure he was he he's he's injured though, just based on kind of what you see. And then his tag team partner Cowboy Lane comes over and is like looking at him and checking on him. He's hurt though. There, this guy is not doing well at the end of this. It's it's obvious there's something wrong here with him.
0: It's a really weird finish. Like the the pin is weird. The move is weird. I'm watching it again, and he's on the mat, holding his head. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at this. Poor guy's hurt, man. We're laughing, but, man, he he landed.
1: Dude, go do a sunset flip and land on your head and see how you feel. I mean, he just – God, he lands right on the top of his head and his neck gets crunched. I'm telling you, he. I bet you he had some neck damage and a concussion. I you there's no way he walked away from that going oh yeah i just had a little concussion he had both i'm pretty sure just the way he lands that poor guy i, I mean i'm feeling it right now in my head and neck just watching it it's like oh god that looks like it hurt because again it's it's, it's he's a little person but his by it's all of his body weight coming down on his head oh god it looks terrible
0: you know what if you really want to see how this move happened after the match, when they go into the commercial break, you know, sometimes they show a clip in slow motion of something that just happened, they show the finish in slow motion, where they say like the upcoming match, mm-hmm. and watch that. You could see him land right on his head.
1: It's rough. It's really rough. So that's what I've been looking forward to for weeks now, because I was like, oh my god, yeah, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta talk about this, uh, this finish with this poor little fellow.
0: I'm watching the replay right now, Tokyo slingshots him into a sunset flip which <laughs> just goes right up to his head <laughs> it's terrible man
1: it's so sad like oh my god he just he he needed to tuck his chin and he didn't he just his neck his face is he's looking He he's straight up and down instead of tucking where if he tucks he's got a chance to make it over without hitting and he didn't tuck his chin, and that poor dude took it bad, man. That's you're right. I'm looking at it too. In slow motion, he's like he didn't die right there on that mat. The it's
0: yeah, oh, because when it happens in the match, it's kind of quick, so you really don't see you could tell what he did, but you really don't see how impactful it was. But when you watch it in slow motion, it's just right on top of his head. Oh, oh,
1: god, okay, I, okay, I'm, I'm not gonna watch it anymore. It's just it's painful.
0: And by the way, I don't know too much about Lone Eagle. Like, he's not one of the midget wrestlers I remember from my childhood. So I don't know how much he did before this or how much he did after this.
1: That might be worth looking into. <laughs> this might have ended his career. I mean, we're laughing but and, and chuckling and going, God, that hurts. But this might have ended it for him. I'm telling you, man,
0: that looks rough. Ugh, God. Well, coming out of that, King Kong Bundy. Versus Randy Barber, Alfred Neely is the referee. He's introduced as being from Devastation Incorporated. He wins with a splash and the five count. Any notes? I don't have any other notes about this match, Mike.
1: I've got the same thing. Bundy hits the splash and then forces Neely to count to five as he has been doing. And that's all I really have. Oh, well, actually, one other thing I do have. Uh, Watts goes off on a, um, he just starts talking about amateur wrestling out of nowhere and He mentions an Iowa wrestler who won the national title recently, I believe, but that's about it. Nothing else really to talk about during the actual match.
0: And from there, we get our final match on the show. Wild Bill Irwin and Rip Rogers versus Tim Horner and Art Cruz with Rick Ferreira as the referee. During this match, Bill Watts announces that, unlike previously in Mid-South Wrestling, if the TV time runs out, and they're almost announcing that it will run out when they say that, the match will continue in the building. It won't just be the bell ringing and the match stops and the show ends. So the match will continue in the building, even if TV time runs out. And that, of course, will be a big part of things going forward, especially in the UWF year, 1986, where there'll be a main event match introduced like three minutes left in the show. And it would just be wild action and the show would go off the air and you would never find out what happened.
1: Yeah, they definitely progressed how they did this. So this this is right here, you know, not not to say it's only Bill Irwin and Rip Rogers and Tim Horner and Art Cruz, but you don't have your main eventers right here. But, like, they would literally have, you know, top guys at the end of the UVF episodes. They started with, you know, 120 seconds left of TV time, and you knew you never were going to see the end of it because of that, and they— It it would be balls to the wall when they were going off air. Jim Ross screaming, hollering. Oh my God, we're going to come back next week. And then they come back next week and they never tell you what happened. But uh, that's a whole nother story here. You're right. I like that Watts did this though, because I mean, we've seen it over the, you know, over the time we've done this since late 81, they would get to these matches in because the fans knew it was remaining TV time. And it was because it was the end of a taping. The bleachers, would there would be nobody there because they knew they weren't going to see a finish of any sort. So I like the fact that Watts did this to to change things up and give it a change of pace.
0: And by the way, TV time runs out. We don't know what happens.
1: Yeah, right, yeah.
0: <laughs> and with that, we wrap up a neck-busting edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. As we wrap things up, I want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at Super Podcast, also on Facebook, facebook.com slash arcadian vanguard you can hear me on the 605 super podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts mike how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints.
1: I post clips of the shows that Brian and I review each and every week, or I try to uh, pull something from each show. Also, check out in the Territory at tinyurl.com slash bttpod. But I will warn you, it is not safe for work. The language is strong. The jokes are terrible. It's definitely politically incorrect. But we have a fun time talking the old Saturday night shows that came on TBS and smoky mountain wrestling, which we are getting to the end of at this point in time, but check us out again. It's tinyurl.com slash pod, or just search booking the territory wherever you get your podcast from. This definitely was a neck busting edition, and we're going to have an even greater edition next week uh, for this show as we uh, get into some really, really good stuff that went down. Brian, another fun episode and thanks again.
0: Well, thank you. And, of course, the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Naccarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!